0: you're listening to Oye Patla Patla
1: And welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue.
0: And I'm Rira Yu.
1: And we are here for our last mid-month book news check-in for 2023. As always, the Books and Boba Book Club is supported by you our listeners at patreon.com slash books and boba where our patreon subscribers have access to our members only discord server as well as our monthly bonus podcast boba chats um so if you'd like to become more involved with our um, book club um please head on over and support us on patreon um we really appreciate um everyone who has supported us so far um rira happy holidays
0: yeah, ha- we have about two more weeks left until the end of 2023, and wow, it's been a year.
1: It's been a year, man. It's been a. It's been a quite. It's it's been a week. Uh, we'll get we'll touch on that <laughs> later on in our in our book news segment. But man, oh man, book Twitter, book internet is a flutter with with all the tea right now. And I thought
0: you- we ran out of tea. Like I thought, <laughs> I thought we were done with this year, but somehow book Twitter got revived and like, okay, (laughs) I guess I guess this episode is going to have some hot tea. Okay. Yeah.
1: As always, um, every month we go over the latest Asian, Asian American related um publishing and book news, starting off with uh, the latest publishing announcements um, that Rira um, compiles through Publishers Weekly and other sources. Um, so yeah, let's get into it so we can get get to the tea. Um, Rira, why don't you give us the first book deal um, of the episode?
0: All right. So our first book deal is at an auction, Park Row Books landed North American rights to Samya Deve's The De Guilt Pill. The novel is a high-concept speculative women's fiction that follows a CEO on maternity leave who becomes addicted to a supplement that erases female guilt. Guilt Pill is set for early 2025, and Samya Dave is a psychiatrist and frequent mental health contributor to NBC News. Uh, She's also the author of What a Happy Family, which was the July pick for the Good Housekeeping Book Club. So... Wow, yeah. this reminds me a lot of natural beauty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a little bit, right? Although I feel like if you like if you had the opportunity to erase all of your female guilt, would you take that? I choice?
0: don't know. I thrive on my anger. So I guess <laughs> guilt and anger are kind of, you know, intertwined together so i'm not sure
1: yeah i mean society does place a lot of expectations on women to be you know maternal to be supportive to give up a lot in order to support you know the the men in their lives so i mean i guess i can see how someone can be addicted if they just didn't have to care about what society wants from them right
0: Yeah. I don't know if the CEO is, um, a single mother, but it could also just be like, okay, like the stigma of single mothers, um, and just like, okay, like, am I a good mom for wanting to have a career and also like wanting to be a mom? Is it, uh, something that, you know, I should give up to have a better, um, future for my child? So there is a lot of Guilt when it becomes uh, when it when it comes to becoming a mother. So I think this is a very uh, you know expansive topic that can yeah. go that has a lot of legs.
1: Yeah, lots of interesting themes to explore for sure. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Samia. Um, next up, Scholastic acquired world rights to "Nice to Eat You" uh, by Karen Yin and illustrated by Carolina Coroa. And in the title, meat is crossed out and replaced with eat. Um, So that's the visual. The Hansel and Gretel-inspired Halloween picture book is about a sneaky witch who lures a group of children to her house. The witch's verbal gaffs keep the children on their toes as they try to figure out if the witch has their best interests at heart or if they're the meal. Cindy Kim will edit. Publication is set for summer 2025. This sounds cute.
0: It sounds terrifying.
1: (laughs) But I do love the Amelia Bedelia-esque witch here. That's like incompetent in her luring children. I think it's it's. Um, I find I, that 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 tickles me.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering how the witch gets the kids into their house during Halloween. Obviously, candy. No, but like I feel like <laughs> kids are taught these days to never go inside a stranger's home, and a lot of trick or treat people. Like, they are outside of their house giving out candy. They're not, like, waiting for the door to to be rung.
1: But what if she's offering them full candy bars, right?
0: I would be like, lady, give it to me. (laughs) Like, why do I have to go inside your house?
1: Well, now we know that we will never be tricked by a witch yeah. on Halloween.
0: Maybe it's because when I was younger, uh, like my parents would like tell me kidnapping stories. So um, oh yeah, I'm a little Asian I was parenting a,
1: 101. Yeah. Asian
0: parenting 101. It's like, what do you mean you're going into a stranger's house? Like, are you stupid? At least bring <laughs> a gift with you. At, yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Our next book deal is Abrams acquired world rights to cookies and Crescents and. Eid story by Nadas Shawish Dutka and illustrated by Zelma Ferdazia. After moving away from her bustling city and large extended family, a girl discovers that while her Eid traditions may look a little different in a new home, it's the community you create that matters. Publication is slated for spring 2025.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like this is a very relatable like occurrence for a lot of immigrant families and communities, uh, you know, trying to celebrate Our heritage uh, festivals and holidays, but having to deal with the local produce and selection.
0: Yeah. And also like I'm just rereading the summary again. I'm like moving away from her bustling city and large extended family. So this means that they are moving to a non ethnically like not not heavy populated by uh, by Muslims. So I'm like, "Mm." yeah, being the only one in your town. Can be a bummer.
1: Yeah. Well, congrats to um, Nada and Zelma on their book deal. Um, Next up, Knopf bought world rights in a six-figure deal and a six-house auction to Bing's Cherries by Olivia Blackburn and illustrated by Julia Kuo. Uh, The picture book weaves a tall tale out of historical facts about Ah Abing, a Chinese immigrant to the U.S. who is the namesake for the Pacific Northwest's Most Delicious Cherries. Publication is slated for spring 2026. Six-figure deal for a picture book. That, that. Feels like it's it's up there, right?
0: Yeah, um, cherries too. <laughs> it's it's not a story that I expected to have a six
1: figure deal. I mean, get that bag! Like, <laughs> I mean, congratulations on on the windfall. I
0: know Livia Blackburn is a pretty well known author. I think we've featured her a couple of times in our book deals, uh, in our past book deals episodes. Uh, she is the author of Feather and Flame and Clementine and Danny Save the World. And this sounds like a very cute picture book.
1: Yeah, I just did a quick Wikipedia search and it's the most widely produced variety of sweet cherry in the United States. So this man is responsible for, I guess, most of the cherries we've eaten here in the United States.
0: Are you a cherry person? I
1: do enjoy cherry, yes.
0: I I am not a cherry person. (laughs) Maybe it's because I don't really like fruits where I have to spit out any kind of pit.
1: Oh, see, I don't mind that. Although um, they do have pitless cherries, just for you. They
0: do. Yeah, they do. For <laughs> babies like me who do not like to to spit out pits. Yeah. All right. Our next book deal is Eighth Note Press bought the debut YA novel To Have and Have More by New York Magazine staff writer Sanibel Chai in one of TikTok's first book acquisitions. Pitched for readers of The Summer I Turned Pretty and KL Walther's the Summer of Broken Rules. It is an exploration of entitlement, friendship, and identity that follows the journey of a Korean girl adopted into a wealthy white family as she grapples with her place in a world of casual racism and white privilege. Publication is set for fall-winter 2024.
1: Yeah, so I just did a quick Google search on this too, and it looks like Eighth Note Press is the publishing arm of TikTok's um, parent company so i guess it's kind of like vertical integration right because i know book talk is like a big segment on tiktok too even though i i personally am not a part of that uh, but yeah um, i
0: mean i mean there was an interesting article not that long ago about uh tiktok making uh making the publishing industry into like fast fashion it's been a very like interesting co- conversation i've seen on book talk itself <laughs> uh because there's so many like So many books, especially YA books, that have been uh, just getting a lot of hype somehow, and then they get published really quickly um, to the point where there's a lot of mistakes and um, the authors don't have enough time to write the sequel. So it's been a very interesting conversation. Um, And I wonder if... Eighth Note Press will address any of those issues that uh, book talkers have talked about at length.
1: Yeah, but definitely sounds like the type of book that the the book talkers will be super into. Right. I know that Summer I Turned Pretty is a pretty that's a pretty big fandom in, in the the book Internet world. Right.
0: Yeah. But I wonder if this book is, you know, I guess like geared towards TikTok because it's not really a romance novel it's not YA fantasy and those are the two genres that do really well um and this sounds like a very um I mean this sounds like a book that is gonna dive into a lot of serious topics like casual racism and white privilege they're very insidious subtle topics. So you have to be very uh, skillful at writing, like writing those nuances. And it makes sense that, you know, it's written by a New York magazine staff writer. Yeah. I'm guessing that Sanibel has that has the writing chops to to do this.
1: Yeah. And I guess it's a good sign that like the TikTok book publisher is willing to touch on or willing to take on projects that touch on these like very, very touchy subjects. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so congrats to Sanibel on her book deal. Um, next up, Harper bought World rights to Princess Bulldog, a chapter book trilogy written by Lovi Goyal Yu and illustrated by Stephanie Liberis about a flying bulldog princess, her friends, and their magical adventures protecting the Friendship Fountain and all of Pupdom. The first book, Princess Power Trip, is set for summer 2026. Now, this just sounds like a Sounds very time. cute. Yeah.
0: yeah, it sounds very cute.
1: <laughs> I do enjoy a bulldog. They're like cute in a not cute kind of way which makes them even cuter i feel like
0: yeah some of them look sad all the time and
1: (laughs) but some look really happy all the time too
0: yeah some look happy all the time uh,
1: just depends on what kind of pup you get um but it sounds like a really cute book um i think there's not much to read into here besides it's a magical bulldog with her bulldog friends
0: yeah, I'm just imagining a bulldog in, like, a princess tiara and a tutu, <laughs> like the like those pet owners who dress up their dogs. Yeah. That's what I'm envisioning right now. All right, our last book deal is Harper Teen-Acquired YA author Sunya Maro's Embrace the Serpent, a romantic fantasy inspired by Indian folklore of Naga, in which a young jeweler's apprentice enters into a marriage of convenience with a feared serpent lord whose heart has been replaced with stone. Publication is slated for summer
1: 2025. Oh, so like little shades of Beauty and the Beast here. Beauty
0: and the Beast, yeah. (laughs) I was thinking about that too.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm familiar that Naga are like, Snake spirits. Um, I don't think I realized they were from Indian folklore because I think, you know, as consumers of fantasy in the United States, a lot of Asian folklore gets conflated into one thing. Um, But it's really cool to, um, again, always cool to see specific aspects of Asian folklore being uh, being explored on.
0: Yeah. And I do love the trope of marriage of convenience.
1: That's true. It's among your favorite tropes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, this sounds like a really cool um, spin on a familiar romance um, type of story, but uh, injected with um, some Indian folklore and culture. So excited to see how how everything turns out. Yeah, yeah. But those are our last book deals uh, for twenty twenty three. And as always, if we miss anything, um, please let us know on either Goodreads or our Discord server. Uh, but moving on to the main event, um, our book news. And these past few weeks, there's only been one story that. We cared about. Yeah,
0: before we dive into that one story, um, DV Pit announced its indefinite hiatus. And uh, they posted earlier this week uh, saying, We've seen so many successes and breakthroughs, even as the industry itself was slow to catch up. And it still is. But all around us, the community has been fighting back with more of our voices rising up and demanding to be heard. But the last eight years have also been very hard. I have fed endless hours into keeping the event going at the expense of my mental health. Recently, we lost our original platform and worked so, so hard to find the right replacement and to build a space that could sustain the community. Our last DV pit was amazing, although not without hiccups. Feedback has always been important to us, and we want to listen carefully. And as social media and AI continue to mutate and change how we connect and share ideas in this time of uncertainty. Uncertainty. We have decided to put DV Pit on an indefinite hiatus. This pause will allow us to reevaluate the needs of the community and our role in it from a renewed perspective and take stock of recent events so we can reimagine what's possible in the future and to make way for fresh minds to bring forth ideas. The work is not done. And this was written by uh, founder Beth Phelan. And DV Pitt has been around for a very long time, like the uh, statement says, eight years. Um, some of the authors that we have uh, talked to on this show and also books that we have featured in past book news episodes like Kumio by Kat Cho, um, Zayn Shukadar, Map of Salt and Stars, uh, Candle and the Flame by uh, Nafisa Aziz. Uh the Candle and the Flame by Nafisa Azad. So a lot of Asian-American writers have gotten their foot in the door in publishing through D.V. Pitt. So it is sad that there is a hiatus, but hiatus does not mean an end.
1: Yeah, definitely some bummer news um, in the midst of a lot of bummer news in all industries right now, like a lot of people getting laid off, a lot of uh, people feeling the hit of just the economy still um, slowing down, and people not realizing how to better use their money, um, and you know, workers paying the price of you know executives who don't know how to spend their money right or on the right things.
0: Yeah, I mean, Books and Boba, we've been around since late 2016, so we haven't been alive as long as DV Pit. Um, DV Pit is about a year older than us. I can definitely understand, like, the burnout and also um, the struggle to keep the momentum going, Um, especially when, you know, there has been a lot of change in terms of diversity in the industry, but we've had a lot of, like, it's like three steps forward and then two steps back. Constantly, it is like this dance that we do as um, BIPOC creators in the Book, bookish community, so um, I hope that the DV Pit team can come back uh, with a renewed purpose and refreshed because they have done great work, and I hope that they get the rest that they need.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more diverse authors being published by like the big publishing companies than ever before, but there's still still a drop in the bucket. And you know, DV Pit has always been uh, a place where anyone can pitch their their books and get traction, right? So it does feel like a loss for the community, but I feel like they did leave it stronger than they found it. And, you know, hopefully the next iteration will continue that work or whoever takes over for, for this work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially since a lot of authors have found success through DV pit. um, I'm guessing that it has shown editors and agents that, you know, stories by Asian American authors, they sell. So it won't be as difficult to query in the future in the traditional method we we can only hope
1: yeah well as someone who has done community work for a large portion of his life um i do i do relate to the burnout um it definitely you know sometimes you got to take a break to take stock in what's important and what you can do as a person to um to continue you know fighting a good fight so i guess Congrats. Goodbye. We're sad to see you go, but we're happy to see um, what's next. Yes. All right. Now it's time for the tea. Now Um, it's time for a
0: hot piping tea.
1: Rira, you've been following the story much more closely than I have, but I've been keeping up with the updates that you've been leaving on our (laughs) Discord server. So I get the general gist of what happened. But um, can you please tell us what's been taking book Twitter by storm the last few days?
0: Okay, so um, I'm going to give credit to Alyssa Shotwell uh, of MarySue.com for recapping this much better than I ever will on this show. Um, and we'll we'll leave a link in the show notes so that if there's anything that I missed, you guys can go read that article. But uh, the gist of it is debut author Kate Corain, who is the author of Crown of Starlight, uh, she was exposed of re- review bombing a slew of 2024 debut titles, and many of them were written by BIPOC authors. Um, and for months, several authors kind of noticed that the same nine or so Goodreads accounts were giving one star reviews to early 2024 releases, while giving five star reviews and upvotes on uh, Listopia's for Caitlin's uh, for Kate's book. So uh, review bomb- bo- So the review bombing goes back as early as February of 2023. And it just started to, you know, become more noticeable. And a lot of authors in um, a private Slack, they've been sharing their concerns. And um, pretty much it all came to a head on December 5th when Shiran J. Zhao the author of Iron Widow subtweeted about the review bomber. And it sparked a lot of public curiosity. A lot of people who haven't been active on book Twitter came back (laughs) and was like, what's going on?
1: I feel like Chiron knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, they did the whole, oh, this blew up. But I don't know. I feel like you don't subtweet something. You don't drop a bomb like that without, without expecting it to blow up, right?
0: Okay, but like, okay, so December 5th, Jiron J. Zhao, um, you know, says, hey, stop, like, if you want this to be a secret, stop being so obvious about, you know, (laughs) the review bombing and who you are. Like, if you just look at the data, we can find out who you are. And um, on a private Slack for 2024 debut authors, uh, Karain Said her friend Lily, quote unquote, from the Raylo fandom, you know, Raylo as in Ray and Kylo
1: Ren. Yes. Kylo the Ren. Most, the most degenerate of fandoms in Star Wars.
0: But they have written great books out of Raylo fanfic, I will say. Like they have some fantastic writers in that fandom. Um, but Kate Corraine said that her friend Lily from the Raylo fandom. Uh, was responsible for the review bombing and provided screenshots of the conversation. And let me just say, the conversation is freaking nuts. It is like a dr- it is the most dramatic uh, script that I have seen in <laughs> you know, a in a long time in terms of like uh, bookish content. And uh, people were saying.
1: Yeah, you could definitely hear like like, the pearls being clutched in this very dramatic um, transcript between Kate and and Lily. A conversation that apparently took place across time and space as well because the time codes did not match up.
0: Yeah, people were accusing of Lily not being real and this chat being photoshopped because the inconsistent uh, time codes. And just reading the dialogue, it is it is nuts. So a lot of people were like, hmm, that's us. And uh, on the morning of December 6th, uh, Bethany Baptiste uh, tweeted, debuts have to deal with an albino snake in a hen house. An albino snake in this context means uh, a deceptive white person. It is an AAVE term, kind of like snake in the grass, you know? And Meredith Mooring, an author with albinism and a friend of Kate uh and a friend of Kate Corraine accused Bethany of referring to her with an ableist slur because um, Meredith is albino. And, you know, she publicly tweeted this despite Bethany's tweet being posted way early. And um, it was before anyone knew or suspected that Kate Coraine was uh, the review bomber. And uh, it was before Kate had come on Slack um, to say, hey, my friend Lily is the one who's been doing this. So as a result, Bethany Baptiste got a lot of uh, flack, a lot of hate comments from um, the minions of one right-wing author. And I was like, that is... <laughs> it It was rough seeing a lot of the hate being directed at her, especially since Bethany was at a funeral mourning someone. So this was the last thing that she freaking needed and as a response to the dogpiling of Bethany, uh, Sharon, Sharon tweeted a public thirty-one page Google Doc containing screenshots of Kate's review bombing. So this is when the subtweet went like direct, yeah. like <laughs> no longer sub, no longer sub. Now
1: just a full blown tweet.
0: Yeah, I was so surprised that it was a thirty-one page document i did not expect something so um meticulous
1: yeah and as a result she's been dropped by her her publisher her agent um from all deals and it just seems like such a magnificent self-implosion that's like it's like when real life is stranger than fiction right because rf kwan's Yellowfish just came out earlier this year and like by all accounts she didn't need to do this right like her book was being well received she was on track for making a ton of money um and like, there was no, like, there there was nothing to gain from, like, trashing other people's books.
0: Yeah, it's really funny that you bring Yellowface, because uh, Kate Corain, in one of her ratings, uh, in one of the books that she rated was Yellowface, and she gave it five stars. And it's just hilarious to me that she read that book and thought, oh, yeah, a white person pretending to be an Asian person? That sounds like something that I can do. It sounds cool, uh, because one of the aliases that she came up with for her burner accounts was Ose oh Young who is a very well-known Korean actress <laughs> and she was using uh, ethnic names like names that sound like bi like real bipoc people like Chantal um to review books by bipoc authors and it's really sucky because a lot of these authors are you know debut authors this is their first book that they're coming out with. And also they were her agent's siblings. So they had the same agent. And some of them had the same imprint as well. So I'm like, why are you sabotaging your peers? That is like that is a new level of despicable uh actions.
1: Yeah, and you know, the other part of this is just how like how important those Goodreads scores are, right? Like Goodreads, for better or worse, is probably a huge part of how some people make their purchase decisions because it's the most easily searchable database for book reviews.
0: Yeah. And the unfortunate thing about Goodreads, I feel like 10 years ago it was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good system because it was for specifically readers. But then publishing professionals came into the scene and now Everything is about marketing, and there are books on there that haven't been published or haven't been written, and there are people who are rating it. And of course, there's like the issue of trolls, like mass review bombing authors, and a lot of the times those are authors from marginalized communities. So this this is a whole different discussion about Goodreads <laughs> and how they need to like rehaul their entire system.
1: Yeah, but but uh, but like creating fake Goodreads accounts to to review bomb your peers. It's just, it's real unhinged, like, behavior that, like, I I feel like it's only possible for people that are, like, chronically online, right?
0: I'm just really shocked that she would go this far, you know? Um, like... One of the comments that she left was, I can't believe Del Rey spent half a million dollars on this when they could have spent half a million dollars on anything else. Sorry, not sorry. And this was a review on Molly X. Chang's book, uh, To Gaze Upon Wicked Gods. Things, and I'm like,
1: "Yeah, what this the hell do you- who-
0: You know how much money they made from the book deal? That's not something that normal reviewers know on the back of their heads.
1: Yeah, this is coming from someone who also made half a million, more than half a million dollars on their book deal as well, right?
0: Yeah, and she didn't just go after, um, like, her, like, traditionally published authors. She also went after um, indie authors. She went after uh, a Black indie author named R.M. Virtues, and solely because RM came out with Greek mythology inspired stories because uh, her book is also Greek mythology inspired. So it it's just like, oh, so one person or a couple of people have the same like roughly same idea as you, and you decide to go after them because you're so insecure about your book sales.
1: I mean, she obviously takes gatekeeping very, very seriously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but moving on to a timeline. So all of this happened on December 5th, December 6th. On December 8th, Beth- Bethany Baptiste, who was the target of all the um, hate comments after it was revealed that Kate Corrine was the review bomber, uh, she dropped a whopping 62 tweet thread with very detailed receipts and screenshots. And I highly recommend people to go check it out because it is, I don't know, it, it is just chef's kiss in terms of like, here are here are my receipts. Like it was very much Phoenix right. And it's really sad that a lot of the Emotional labor went into like the a lot of the emotional labor of this controversy went to authors of color like Sharon Jade Chow and um, Bethany Baptiste because why should they prove to other people that this person was sabotaging their peers' careers? Shouldn't like Kate be, you know, proving that she didn't like it? It, it, it's a whole can of uh, different worms. But a couple days later, December 11th, uh, Kate's agent, Rebecca Potos, announced the end of their partnership with uh, Kate. And shortly after, Illumicrate canceled, the, um, canceled their May subscription box for Crown of Starlight. And then on the same day, Del Rey, the publisher, announced that crown of starlight was no longer on their 2024 calendar now this made people kind of suspect that del rey would publish uh crown of starlight later like 2027 because uh some people saw it on like the barnes and noble site saying like it's going to be published in 2027 but on december 12th del rey confirmed that they will no longer publish kate's book like Kate had a two-book deal, and they are not publishing either of them. Wow. And on that day, on December 12th, uh, um, shortly after, Kate Corain unprivated her Twitter account and tweeted a two-page letter apology, admitting to being behind a Goodreads account um, review bi- bombing and faking the conversation as Lily and I think one of the funny aspects of this horrible experience is the fact that the Raylo fandom came with their receipts, and they're like, "We do not know this <laughs> Lily. We are a tight knit community. This is not some. This is not someone that we recognize." Yeah, like thanks for trying to pin this on us, fangirl authors. You're welcome. So
1: yeah, it's just um, such a yeah. wild. And, like, it's just, it's so, it's so inconceivable, the thought process that would go into creating such an elaborate scheme to ultimately do nothing but destroy yourself. I mean, this is the type of things people write books about, right?
0: Yeah. So, in her two-page apology, which is on a Word doc double space, and I think that is a level <laughs> of, like, I'm just like, what small, happened to the notes app? It's... <laughs> Like, all, all she's missing is, like, an APA, like, citation uh, <laughs> page. But um, in, in, like, the first paragraph of her apology, she says, Since June 2022, I've been fighting a losing battle against depression, alcoholism, and sub- substance abuse, the full scope of which I've hidden from everyone in my life out of shame and a misguided belief th- that with the right medicine or enough therapy, I could beat it. Now, this, as... Me, as a mentally ill person who struggles with depression and anxiety and has had bad reactions to switching medications, I'm like, hmm, we do not blame our mental illnesses on like for being racist. Okay. That just does not happen, at least in my personal experience. And, um, You know, uh, she goes on to say in late 20 in late November 2023, I started a new medication. And on December 2nd, 2023, I suffered a complete psychological breakdown during this time. I created roughly six profiles on Goodreads and along with two profiles I made during a similar but shorter breakdown in 2022. Um, And she goes on to say I boosted the rating of my book while bombing other authors. And this is the part that got a lot of people pissed. She goes on to say, two of those authors, Molly X. Chang and Danielle Jensen, are fellow Del Rey authors. Camilla Cole and Bethany Baptiste just happened to be on the wrong Goodreads list at the wrong time. Girl, they were not on the wrong Goodreads list at the wrong time. You were just being racist. Like... You were you were insecure, and you thought it was okay to go after authors of color who happen to have books coming out at the same time as you. It's really sucky because you know I feel like as a writer you have you rely on your community. You know, like that is how you build relationships and keep your career going in the future. So. And it's also like heartbreaking to think about how she was in this private slack with these authors and these authors are sharing their vulnerabilities. You know, they're going through a lot of shit when they're writing their books. Um, I'm sure they've shared some really personal things and she just goes behind their backs and tries to sabotage their careers. It's a level of It's villain
1: behavior. It's something. It is (laughs)
0: very villain behavior, and I just really, I get really annoyed as someone who has mental health issues whenever someone uses their mental health as a shield for really like terrible behavior. It's like it it perpetuates stigma in our community, and it's just it's just so gross.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that goes into a much more broader conversation on the stigma of mental health, mental illness, and the reason why people will think that by invoking it, you can get a pass. And that's not how, that's not how any of this works, right? Like, it doesn't excuse the, the fact that, like, again, this is a very elaborate plan. Like, the Okay, let of- me
0: just say, like, during psychological breakdowns, in my personal experience... It's hard to even get out of bed. Like, how did you create nine (laughs) freaking Goodreads burner accounts and wrote reviews, like literally wrote reviews, not just rate, wrote reviews and also organized lists on Goodreads? I'm like, that is a lot of effort that you have to expend. And to say that, like, because you were, you know, having a hard time with your mental health, like this, this is what what happened? I'm like, I really don't believe that personally. And a lot of other authors think so, too. And it's really like if you think about how let's let's say Kate Corrine was an author of color. She would not be receiving the grace that she has been receiving the past two weeks. You know, like she would not be having friends defending her. And also just like. um, Like when. Authors of color and also from marginalized communities, when they go through mental health problems, like they have to work through it. Like they do not have the cushion to um, just be like, oh, I did this bad thing. So I guess blame it on my mental health. No, they don't (laughs) get a pass at that. So it's it's really like a conversation that uh, publishing should have when it comes to privilege. And also, um, I heard that Kate Corain is queer, and I've seen other queer authors who have been commenting on this controversy that they've noticed this pattern of white authors who happen to be queer to use their queerness as an excuse for bad behavior, malicious behavior. And it's like, okay, so it's it's a reminder that just because you are part of a marginalized community you're there is white privilege to it so there has been like some very fascinating conversations on on twitter about this and um yeah this incident really taught me that twitter is not dead book twitter is not dead <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just it just needed something to feast on
0: yeah, yeah yeah well although i feel so bad for the authors who were impacted by the review bombing i mean um, I'm not sure if it's gonna have like long-term consequences because uh Kate Corrain like deleted uh deleted all of her accounts. So like the reviews are gone, the ratings are gone, so it's been like remeasured. And also like just reading her apology again, like there's no accountability that she is taking. And, you know, she says she's going to reach out to the impacted authors and apologize. But from what I have heard, there has been no apology sent. Uh, She said that she's going to a rehab facility and is going to go offline for a while. And I'm like, you know, again, like everybody goes through their own mental health struggles differently. But it does kind of read like she is just bailing on on. Being uh, on owning the the problems that she she uh, sparked in in the community, so
1: well, I mean, she lost her big payday. So
0: yeah, like if she had just kept her racist thoughts and insecurities to herself, like she would have had an Illumicrate deal, which you know had a new cover to it. Like that is that is a very big deal. Um, She could have had so much success. She had early favorable reviews. She's had like other authors give her blurbs. I just don't understand why you would feel so insecure and just feel so jealous of your peers like this. And I hate I hate the fact that there's so many people who who consider like creators of color to be their competition. And it's like, no, no, like it can be a community where we support each other and champion each other's works. But you've turned it into something really toxic. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll ever understand the reasons behind it. But the core reason I think we can understand, which is some people just don't like seeing other people succeed, even though they themselves are successful. And that is just I think that is a pretty um clear and concise like encapsulation of the systems that we see ourselves in right which is equality only matters when it's equality for me
0: yeah yeah and also like i've been getting so annoyed at other uh media outlets who have been covering uh this controversy on twitter um because they're you know they're framing it as oh why a authors are you know teaming up against Like against this white author or they'll be like, oh, book drama is happening because of YA authors. And I'm like, excuse me, Crown of Starlight is an adult novel. (laughs) And I hate the fact that you're trying to pin uh, this stereotype of YA authors and YA consumers to be immature, you know, immature, like toxic fangirls pretty much. It's just like no,
1: yeah, we still yeah. <laughs> definitely have a long way to go um, to combat those stereotypes and stigmas. Um, but at the very least, justice was served, and I mean, what I do hope is that the attention given to this whole controversy does shine a light on the authors that were affected, and that's enough to you know overcome the. Good reads effect, But yeah, um, I guess with that, um, that'll do it for our last mid-month book news episode for 2023. As always, thank you for compiling all the book news for us to cover. Um, I guess before we go, um, can you remind us what we are reading for Book Club for December 2023?
0: Yeah, for the month of December, we are reading Foul Lady Fortune by Chloe Gong. And it is part one of a duology where an ill-matched pair of spies posing as a married couple... Uh, investigate a series of brutal murders in 1930s Shanghai.
1: Yeah, so if you're reading along with us or if you finish the book and have thoughts to share um, as always please let us know on our Goodreads or on our Discord if you're a Patreon subscriber Um, that way we can share your thoughts on our year-end book discussion episode as well. Um, But with that, um, that'll do it for our episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next time. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Re Rayu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Booksandboba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to Booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at Booksandboba.com.